0: Just a brief summary for Hiram who's joining us. I just want to remind everyone that when it comes to revelation, when it comes to hearing him and and speaking to God, there is a personal line of communication through which I speak directly to heaven. You have every right to speak to your father, just like you can speak to your eternal father. Um, Just kind of a funny story Sometimes, well, I'll just say, my sister, I'll just say it and pray she's not listening. <laughs> Sometimes you think your parents are more your parents than someone else's, you know, your your siblings' parents. And so we moved to Arizona when I got hired by the church. And when we moved back, it was kind of obvious that, my sister and her family kind of felt territorial over my mom and dad's house. And uh, one day, my my daughter went to her grandparents, my parents' house, and my sister's daughter was there and kind of said, what are you doing here? (laughs) What are you doing here? Like, what are you doing here? And it's like, well, what are you doing there? And I just thought, you know, Sometimes that's kind of like Heavenly Father. We kind of have this idea that other people might have more of a right to communicate with him than I do. And that is absolutely false. The prophet has no more right to communicate with him than you do. He may get direction for the church, but every single one of us are his children. Every one of us. And you have just as much of an, you should have just as much of an expectation that he wants to speak to me as he wants to speak to anyone. So I'm trying to really emphasize our personal connection with God. Now, there is a priesthood line. It would be crazy if all of us had to receive revelation For things like scriptures or plan of salvation or those types of things. We need order in the church. And so some things come to a central location through a prophet, seer, and a revelator so that we all have the same information. The scriptures were written for all of us by kind of prophets, seers, and revelators. So there is a personal line and a priesthood line of communication. And we're going to see, we're going to talk about both of those. Because one of the best ways to understand how to receive personal revelation is to take better advantage of priesthood line tools. I receive probably the most information by going to the temple and reading the scriptures. So I'm using a priesthood tool, a priesthood line communication tool, to receive more personal revelation. So that's kind of where we've been. We've talked about recognizing promptings and how does God speak? What are the different ways he speaks to me? Learning to recognize when a prompting comes. And then we talked about some of the rules of revelation. How do I get more? Why is it that sometimes he's not answering my prayers? What are the rules of revelation? So now I want to talk about something that he brings up in the scriptures. And if you've been to the temple, you probably haven't caught the significance of it. But when we talk about it today, you're probably going to say, oh my goodness, there it is right in front of me and I've never noticed it. I want you to turn to section 88, verse 15. The Lord drops a bomb. It's just a small little verse, and yet he completely changes. He drops a bomb of doctrine. And as I look around all the religions of the world, I cannot see any other church that is teaching this truth. And yet, if you really explore this truth, it becomes extremely profound. Doctrine and, Co- Doctrine and Covenant, section 88. Now, he almost says it in passing. Section 88 is about the, the role of the Messiah and all the different things the Messiah does in our life. But almost in passing, he says in verse 8, 15, the spirit and the body are the soul of man. Easy to miss, right? Okay, we'll just pass. No, 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 let's not miss this. The soul of man is spirit and body connected. My spirit and my body are inseparably connected. If this is my spirit and this is my body, if I were to take a baseball bat, And hit my body would my spirit feel it of course they are connected and yet we sometimes talk about as if they're completely independent of each other but they are not independent of each other for example it shouldn't surprise you that if I'm depressed if I struggle with depression and my body is just not working is my spirit gonna function normal it is not. And that surprises and, and that causes a lot of grief for people who are struggling with depression because they say, well, I can't feel the spirit. Well, if your body is not functioning like it should, is your spirit going to be independent of that and function like it normally does? It won't. They are inseparably connected. And understanding that connection is going to unlock a very important key that we're going to talk about today to get more revelation. Because what do you begin to see is going to be one of the biggest obstacles to receiving revelation? How I treat my body. That is a doctrine that is unique to the Latter day Saints. James E. Talmadge, does that ring a bell? James E. Talmadge wrote Jesus the Christ, brilliant apostle from many years ago. James E. Talmadge said the following. As we have been taught to look upon these bodies of ours as gifts from God. We Latter-day Saints do not regard the body as something to be condemned, something to be abhorred, or something to be subdued, In the sense in which that expression is oft times heard in the world, we regard as the sign of our royal birth that we have bodies upon this earth. We believe that these bodies are to be well cared for, that they are to be looked upon as something belonging to the Lord and that each may in very truth become the temple of the Holy Ghost, the place into which the spirit of God shall enter and where he shall delight to dwell. It is peculiar to the theology of the Latter-day Saints that we regard the body as an essential part of the soul. Read your dictionaries, the lexicons, the encyclopedias, and you will find that nowhere outside of the church of Jesus Christ is the solemn and eternal truth taught that the soul of man is the body and the spirit combined. Now, let me show you where that gets very significant. Turn to the very next section, section 89. Now, tell me what 89 is. We all lovingly refer to section 89 as the word of wisdom. Now, I know that it's become a huge tradition. And when you say word of wisdom, oh, no coffee, no tea, no tobacco. But relax your eyes a little bit and don't get so caught up in what the tradition that it's become and let's see the doctrine that he's teaching. Now there's two discussions. When we talk about Word of Wisdom, we need to talk about two things. Verse three talks about a principle with a promise. Verse four talks about a conspiracy. We are not gonna talk about the conspiracy today. That's a subject for another day. And that's the alcohol, coffee, tea, tobacco. The reason we don't drink alcohol isn't necessarily because it's not healthy. It's because there's a conspiracy. It's a secret combination. So in verse four, tell us why we have a word. Just to say it, just just to bring us all up to speed. Verse four, why is there a word of wisdom? In consequence of evils and designs which do and will exist in the hearts of conspiring men in the last days, I have warned you and forewarned you by giving you this word of wisdom. That's a subject for another day. It's a conspiracy. It's a secret combination. And the Lord is preventing us from danger. I want to focus on verse 3. Section 89, verse 3. The, principle, the word of wisdom is a principle with promise. Adaptable to the capacity of the weak and the weakest of saints. Now, don't drink alcohol. Is that adaptable? Do people adapt that? Well, you only drink this much and you drink this much, and, but you can drink this much. Is that adaptable? So clearly that's another subject, right? The addiction portion is another subject. So let's, let's, let's not let that dominate our discussion of the word of wisdom. Let's focus on the fact that the Lord says the word of wisdom is a principle with promise. So what is the principle of the word of wisdom? Setting the conspiracy aside, what is the principle of the Word of Wisdom? Go to verse 18. Now, I'm guessing most of us stop too soon. The promise of the Word of Wisdom is that all saints who remember to keep and do these sayings, walking in obedience to the commandments, shall receive health. That's usually where we stop. We think the word of wisdom is a law of health. But it doesn't stop there, does it? What does it say? If you obey the word of wisdom, you will have health in your navel. Health in your navel. I want you to just There it is right there in print. If you obey the word of wisdom, you shall receive health in your navel, marrow in your bones. Does that strike you as an odd phrase that you will have health in your navel? Why in the world would I want a healthy navel? I want a a healthy belly button. So if I obey the word of wisdom, I will have a healthy belly button. That doesn't make sense unless we dig a little bit. Going back to what he said in the previous section, body and spirit are inseparably connected. If I obey the word of wisdom, I'll have a healthy navel. So instead of asking what my navel is, let me ask what what my navel was. Tell me what my navel was. It was an umbilical cord, which was a channel of nutrients from our mother. I was fed through my navel. I received nutrients from my navel and waste was taken out of me through my navel. Now, what is he suggesting here? You and I have a spiritual umbilical cord connected to God you know what, just, I wonder if it's still mom. I wonder if it's Heavenly Mother. I wonder if it's her doing that. That we are connected to God. Now, those of you who've been in doubt, when you stand at that veil and you communicate with God, how are you connected to Him? Through which mark? He extends his hand through the navel. There it is. If we have a spiritual umbilical cord and we're connected to God through an umbilical cord, now, the doctrine of the word of wisdom is If you want more nutrients to flow from God, do what? Take better care of your body. Now, in a class on Revelation, we need to talk about if I want to hear more, if I want God to communicate with me, if I want nutrients to flow through my spiritual navel, I have to take better care of my body. And so we're going to take a minute, we're going to take a day and talk about if you truly want to hear him, understand that connection, that body and spirit are inseparably connected and that I control the flow. I control the flow through my navel. I control what comes from God into my navel by how I treat my body. I I wish I could just, I'm gonna say that about a thousand times to make sure it just lights up inside of our soul. I have a lot of control over flowing nutrients from a divine source by the way I treat or mistreat my body. So let's talk about some of the things that I do that have a dramatic effect on revelation. Now, the word of wisdom addresses clearly one subject, but it leaves others to be discussed, but not in print. So clearly what I eat has an effect on my spirituality. Do you see that now? Do you see how clearly he's teaching that, that the way I fuel my body will affect revelation. Now, give yourselves a grade on how well you fuel your body. Now, let's admit it. If I don't put fuel in my car or if I put the wrong kind of fuel in my car or if I wait too long to put fuel in my car. Tell me what happens to my car. It's going to break down. My car is not going to function unless I put the right fuel, the fuel that it needs in that car. Well, how about the how about this body? Same truth, right? If I don't put the fuel that it needs. Now, food is also social. Food is also entertaining. Food is also relaxing. Comfort food. And I get all that. It is part of the mortal experience. But what he's saying is, there are things that this engine needs in order to run. And so if I am not eating the right things, and by right, is it right for all of us? Is there a right food for every one of us? This is where, remember where we talked about that adaptable part, that it's a principle that's adaptable? This is where you need to say, I know what foods affect my body. I am smart enough to recognize that certain foods are very good and certain foods are very not good. This is where your stewardship over this body needs to step up and say, I recognize that I can do certain things. I can feed this body with certain things that really improve the flow of nutrients. Eating the right things at the right times in the right amounts. Now my guess is most of us rushed out of the house without fueling our body this morning, right? And we probably got a zillion things to do before we're actually gonna take time and when are we going to stop and eat? And that little blinker saying, hey, low fuel, low fuel. Our body is starting to say, dude, you're, you're hungry. I'm on empty. But do you see the wisdom of saying, wait a minute, I will have a better day, more nutrients, and not just spiritual nutrients, but I'll, I'll do better in math. I'll do better at work. I'll do better in life if I fuel my body. Right things, the right time in the right proportions. So there's one very, very strong connection to spiritual truth being flow, flowing into my body by what I eat. You see that connection? And again, I just, I just wish I would, I could just shout that from the rooftops. You want to hear him? You want more nutrients from your heavenly father? Do you need help to get through the day? Take better care of your body, fuel it with what it needs. All right, now that's kind of where the word of wisdom stops, but clearly the intention is that we keep going, right? Name another that you know, name another thing I do or don't do to my body that you know from personal experience has a tremendous impact on feeling spiritually, mentally, emotionally healthy. Sleep. sleep, probably, I would dare say, if we can see that this is the principle of the word of wisdom, in what way do we violate the word of wisdom the most? Because my body needs fuel, and my body needs rest. I think you're all aware of all the studies and all the medical, I mean, what, what does medicine say sleep deprivation does? And so just like food has to come in the right amount at the right time, sleep has to come in the right amounts at the right times in the right circumstances. And then not, it's not just when you go to bed and when you wake up, it's the quality of the sleep you allow yourself to have. Pillow, blanket, mattress, darkness, phone distraction, TV on, radio, whatever it is, You have to adapt to what is right for this body. And I am telling you, you want to hear him more? You want to get more revelation? You want to feel better like food is flowing through that navel? Get the right amount of sleep. So hard to feel the spirit when you're tired, isn't it? So hard to function, even sitting in a math class, if you're tired. So fuel and sleep. All right, should we do a few others? Sabrina, anyone? Alicia, anything you want to add? Tell us something we do or don't do with our bodies that have a tremendous influence on feeling those nutrients through our spiritual navel. Let's hear it. Um, with depression, um, you need to get help. So let's do chemical. Oh, there's an H. I need to understand that if my body is struggling with a hormone balance or a chemical, or if something's not right, it's going to affect that flow. So, there are tremendous helps and resources and medicines available. In my family, we just have this tendency for depression. I have a daughter who, struggle, who su- suffers severe depression. Of my 10 kids, I think seven of them are on medication for anxiety or depression. And part of that is a spiritual recognition that my body needs something. It needs medical attention. If my heart were broken, what would all of you expect me to do? Go to a medical professional and treat that, right? Let's treat that because we can. We can do things that will help. Same thing with depression, same thing with anxiety. I need a whole medical reg- regiment. I need to take care of my body. And that means sleep and exercise and all those other things, but it might also mean balancing the hormones that my body is not producing. And I can stand as a testimony that a little, when you find the right medication, my daughter's life completely changed when we finally found the right medication something that her body needed, a chemical, a hormone that her body needed that now is having a tremendous impact on the flow of nutrients. So if you need to see a doctor, I would encourage you to see a doctor. Now, can I, can I tell you a funny thing? I've now taken... Of the seven that are on medication, I think all of them have at least been treated for depression at some point. And every single time I take a child in to see a doctor about depression or anxiety, the first thing the doctor does is let's try, let's find the right medication. So we're gonna start with this one. I had one one child that, I think we went through five different medications, till we found the one that really worked and really helped. But he said, let's try this medication. And then they always said, come back in a month. Try this medication for 30 days and come back in a month. And every single time, guess what the conversation a month later was? Okay, so the medication's starting to do its job. You're starting to feel better. Then the conversation the second time was always, what are you eating? Tell me about your diet. And think about that. If my body has an effect on my spirit, Does my body have an effect on my mental and emotional state? So if I want to feel better emotionally, yes, I need to replace the chemicals that are missing, but I also need to fuel it, don't I? Do you see that whole package coming together? Thank you, Alicia, very true. That if my body, that's diabetes, right? If I do not process insulin appropriately, well, if I don't process sugars with insulin appropriately, I need to find some help. I need to get some external, I need to bring that hormone into my body so that I process sugars. It's going to affect my spirituality, my spiritual flow of nutrients. Good. Someone else piped in. Sabrina, Eden. Oh, I was just gonna say like exercise. Exercise. The funny thing about the human heart Tell me what you know about the human heart. The most healthy human hearts do what? If you want the healthiest heart you can have, do what to it? You you beat it up once in a while. You get it racing. That's the funny thing about the human heart. It is healthiest when you push it. So exercise. I'm just, I don't, I'll assume none of you, but let me just ask, how many people on this planet wake up, go to a job where they sit, go home and do what for the rest of the day? Sit. Sit. And they wonder why they feel sluggish, mentally, emotionally, mentally, in every possible way. They wonder why their umbilical cord is kinked and the, the nutrients aren't flowing. So my body needs f- 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 fuel, rest. If it's missing a chemical, I've gotta find that chemical. I've gotta balance that again. I, it needs exercise. Do we keep going? Let me do a very important one this time of year. You need sun. You need sun. There is something about the sun Um, we've learned in the church that missionaries that are assigned to like Oregon and uh, Germany, places where the sun can be blocked for long periods of time, do you know what they do? They supplement with a chemical, vitamin D. There are missionaries who are assigned to take vitamin D because that area has a lack of sun. Well, tell us what that suggests to all the rest of us. You need sun. Sometimes you just need to get out and be in the sun. Winter, it's really hard. I noticed most people seem to be down and struggling in the winter. And I think it has to do with the lack of sun, the the limited number of hours we have with the sun. So tell, tell me what that means about getting out, being outside, enjoying the sun. Okay, should we keep going? Any others? What else would you add? What can I do to my physical body that would have a dramatic effect, which would bring me health in my navel? Hiram, you got one? Okay, so let me throw them out. I got a whole bunch of these. So while you guys think, I'll... you need to have... A stress management fl- plan. You know what I mean by that? Every one of us have stress. How do you handle stress? How do you manage stress? What is your coping mechanism? What do you do to deal with the stress that you have? We all have stress. So what is your plan? What do you do? Music, exercise, walks outside, go to the mountains, bike. What do you do? One of my absolute favorite lines, I got to share this. One of my favorite lines from Joseph Smith's journal. Now, when he was in Nauvoo and people are trying to kill him and he's trying to restore the temple and the work for the dead, he lived a very stressful life, didn't he? And one of my absolute favorite lines from his journal is this. Come on. February 4th. That's in five days. February 4th, 1843. So wintertime, cold, At four in the afternoon, I went out with my little Frederick to exercise myself by sliding on the ice. Can you imagine the prophet out there sliding on the ice? But that was a stress management tool. How do you handle your stress? Elder Holland said, he attributes it to someone else, but I love to attribute it to him. Elder Holland said, A drugstore psychologist once said that people need three things to be emotionally healthy. Someone to love. And I'm going to expand on that. Being with someone that you love. That's, that's important to my health. Being around people that you love and that love you. Significant things to do. So three things, are health, three things are necessary that anyone will have emotional health. Someone to love. Significant things to do. So spending time doing something significant. And then I love the third one. Something pleasant to look forward to. Do you have something on your horizon that is exciting and that you're looking forward to? If you don't have something pleasant to look forward to, it's just how are you going to get through the tough days? What are you looking forward to doing at the end of the tough days? I tell all my kids that work, they have a tendency to save up all their money and not spend it. And then they they hate their jobs occasionally. And I said, do you see why you're not happy in work? Because you're not seeing any reward for doing it. So all I've told all of my kids, pick something you want to buy. Something you genuinely want to buy and save for it and tell yourself on such and such a date, I'll have enough money, I'm going to buy it. You give yourself something to look forward to. Whatever your stress management tactic is, understand that my body needs to relieve that stress. And there are many things. Music is a powerful way. Exercise is a powerful way, but find some way to handle and manage that stress. Good. Give me another one. Um, I mean, I was, I was just thinking a lot of these have to do with like, you know, just being happy, you know, like, and when you're, when you have happiness and joy, it's a lot easier to feel spirit. So what I was going kind to of say was social interaction. We kind of went, went through that one, um, but. I don't know, I guess just I need people. I need people. People bring happiness. I need people. Now there's a two, that's a two-sided that's a two-edged sword, right? And this is, this is where we're going to go in the next couple of, of classes. Nothing lifts me. Nothing makes me more happy in this world than people. And yet, nothing hurts me more than anything in this world, more than people. So navigating that becomes crucial to my health, crucial to revelation. And so we're going to talk about that. You'll be surprised at how many scriptures talk about getting the right people in and making sure the the, the wrong people are not in. Removing the tears from my life. And bringing the wheat in will be a subject we address for several classes, because it has a lot to do with revelation. I will hear him better. Now, how many scriptures does it say, when two or three are gathered in my name, there will I be also? One of the best ways to hear him is to do what? Right there in print. One of the best ways to hear him is to get together with people who also want to hear him. It is one of the ways I unlock that channel and I allow the flow of nutrients is I get with people who help me feel that way. And I avoid the people who help me not. That's absolutely crucial is we need people. It's written into the very plan of salvation, right? In the Garden of Eden, the father said, it is not good for man to be alone. Brilliant. Brilliant and understanding my need for social interaction and as a flow of nutrients, that's absolutely critical. Thank you. What else would you add? You got another one? I do have. I was gonna say uh, that I forgot about was um, exercising our talents. Yes. Very important. There is something, isn't there some type of, it's like a drug. It's like a very healthy drug when I feel like I did something, I contributed in a positive way. Um, I don't know if you've ever studied Maslow's needs, Maslow's Triangle of Needs. He says, human behavior is motivated by unmet needs. At the bottom is food, clothing, and shelter. And then safety. He says, we'll risk safety to meet the need of food, clothing, shelter. That's why people will, Jean Valjean broke into the store window and stole the bread because he was hungry. His niece was, his, his, his family was hungry. He risked safety to meet those basic needs. But then once, once those needs are being met, we seek to be safe. And then love, and then value, and then at the very top, is what Maslow called self-actualization, which means I'm making a difference. I am making a difference in this world. And one of the ways we do that is I have an ability and exercising that ability in such a way that it brings other people enjoyment. It's a rush, isn't it? Um, Sports, sports can do that, music can do that. I got to tell you a story. I coached, uh, my, my son played junior jazz basketball and I co- he's fifth grade. We coached a bunch of fifth graders. And you know the kid that plays baseball and has no idea how to play baseball and just stands at the plate and strikes out every single time? I had that kid on my basketball team. He missed the first practice because there was a, mi- there was a miscommunication error. So the very first time I saw him was our first game. He shows up to our very first game. And he says to me, and you know, we're doing layups and I can tell, okay, this kid has never played basketball, knows nothing about basketball. So when I told him it was his turn to play, he, he looked at me and said, I don't know what to do. I have no idea where to go or what to do. Knew nothing about the game of basketball. So coached him and you know, he, he progressed like you wouldn't believe. Grew to love the game. He he understood. We taught him how to play the game. We taught him everything. Well, last Saturday was our final game. He played his heart out. Never scored a basket. I mean, not even close. In the previous game, he was fouled trying to take a shot. And so they gave him two free throws. (laughs) He, He threw it with all the might. And it just didn't even come close to the basket. Just this cute little kid. So I pulled the team and said, guys, we gotta get Zeke a basket. He's never scored, every one of you have scored many baskets, but Zeke has never scored a basket. So we had a strategy, okay, you run down, you get in that one spot where you know you can make it. It's right there underneath the basket. And it took about four or five tries, but everything was perfect. We were just, ball was coming down, I had a player over on the left side. He had the ball, the, the, the opposing team went over there and Zeke was alone under the basket. So I yelled out, Zeke's open, Zeke's open. And he throws him the ball and this little kid shoots it and makes the basket. And every kid on the team just came unglued. They were so happy. The whole team was just jumping up and down. Zeke scored, Zeke scored. He ran, in middle of the game, he ran over to his mom and hugged his mom. You know, you can, that, that kid's going to talk about that for the rest of his life, right? And I just thought, as a team, we used sports to do what? My, my wife was there, and she just wept in the stands. My, my son, who hates sports, was there and just wept in the stands. And it was just like, see, that makes, that's what life is, finding those moments where something really good happened. Because I coached, because we had a team, because as a team, we focused on him. And it just, that was such a symbol of health in my navel. That I was part of that. And so whatever you're a part of, whether it's music or whether it's, a service organization or doing good brings that flow thank you I think it's very essential last couple of minutes anyone else want to throw one out but you see the doctrine right and I don't know how many of you expect when you when you signed up for a class that was called hear him I wonder how many of us thought we'd have a discussion on food and sleep and exercise and and chemicals and basketball teams, but I testify with all my soul of that doctrine that the soul of man is body and spirit. They are inseparably connected. And if you want a stronger spirit, if you want joy that comes from the gospel, if you want to hear him, take better care of your body. Of that I testify, and I just can't emphasize enough. It is a powerful connection that we often misuse. But all saints that remember and do these things will have health in their navel and marrow in their bones. Try it. For one week, Take better care of your body. Ask yourself, what is it that I need to do to take better care of the body that I've been given? What do I need to do? Every one of us knows that one or two areas that would most improve my physical condition. Try focusing on those things this week and watch what happens to you spiritually. It's, it's magic. And of that I testify in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen.